So welcome to another episode of the Jim's Cast. And a question or a comment that we always get is um, that Jim has 10 kids. Why do you have so many? So we thought we'd just discuss that topic of why do you have so many children, Jim? Simple answer is I really, really, really love kids. And that goes a long way back before I was married, even as a teenager. I, I, I just like being around children so much. Now, partly, of course, I was a bit awkward with older people, with adults. But, you know, when, when people would come bring their, their kids down to um, visit my family in our, in our home, I would actually take the kids down to the park and play with them. And the, and the, um, the parents would think, oh, you've got this wonderful, wonderful boy who, who just is being so sacrificing and so forth and, and looking after the children. But actually, I did it because I enjoyed it. I loved it. I, I was a, um, I used to babysit kids quite young. When I was about 14, 15 years old, I, was, I, I loved babysitting. I just liked being around children. And um, I, I always had that. I was a scout leader for a time, which was good. And um, when I became a Christian, I was also, I taught Sunday school as well. When I was became a Christian, I worked on, I did a uh, improv for, to entertain the kids at, at the Belgrave Heights Convention, Evangelical Convention. And that was looking after kids too. So I've always had this, this real, I just enjoy being around children really, really, really much. And then I became a father of myself, which was quite late. I was about the age of 30, I think. And it's quite young now, but that's quite was it quite late? Yeah, back but those then? days it yeah. was quite late, and then the feeling for my own kids was beyond anything I could imagine. I just loved my kids so much. I loved being around them. See, people talk about the sacrifice that you make to have children and to look after them. To me, it's never a sacrifice. I've never had one second where I've regretted any child in any way. Um, to me, they're a great joy. But one of the funniest things we had a um, my, my kids were watching something on television and they were laughing their heads off. And it was, and I asked them what it was about. And they said, oh, it's this, this couple, what, they want to go out. And each of them are arguing who is the, who should, who should stay home and look after the kids? No, I want to go out, you can look after them. No, I want to go out, you can look after them. They were saying this. And our kids were roaring their heads off because to them, they'd never seen anything like that. Because what happens is one of us wants to go out, we try and persuade the kids to come with us. So we try and persuade them to come. So it's an opposite point of view because we just enjoy children so much. And, and people often talk about, you know, people being less happy when they have kids and so forth. What they don't recognise, it depends so much on your temperament. There are some people who don't like kids at all. Like, um, you know, my sisters are not particularly maternal. My, my, my brother's never had a child, never wanted a child. And there's some people who who really, really, really love kids a lot, like me, and there's a whole lot in the middle. So one of the things that people talk about, when they talk about children, they're so emphasising the, the economic aspects, what you can mm. afford. It never occurred to me. When I started having kids, I was actually still in debt, and I was working as a gardener, and my wife wasn't working. She was at university, and, and I never even thought about not having children as soon as I could and as many as I could. Um, so the interesting thing about this is I am very contrasting to the rest of my family. There was nobody in my family like this. I've got two sisters and a brother. One sister had two kids. Um, wasn't particularly maternal, but she had two kids and looked after them, raised them okay. Another had one child and she just couldn't look after him. She left him to his grandparents. He just didn't have the temperament. My brother, I said, never wanted them. I love children. I've got a completely opposite attitude. And it's interesting, when you look at myself, compare with my family, there's a number of things that I'm, I'm also 
very different from my family. For example, my, my um, rest of my siblings get on well with you. They're all basically atheists, and, and they've all got very standard conventional views about the world today. Um, I'm, I'm a fervent Christian. Um, they're reasonably successful in material terms, like one's a computer programmer, one was in um, a lawyer. Um, but, but there's a peculiar obsession I have with, um, first of all, with my scientific, with my research, and also with my business. There's a kind of an obsessional focus that I have on certain kinds of topics that interest me, that I just drive them and drive them and drive them. So I have this obsessional temperament, beyond all reason and sense, nothing to do with making money, just to do with the fact that I am so obsessed with it. Like my obsession with service. My obsession with service to franchisees. And bearing in mind, too, when I, when I launched Tim's, I had no idea it would be successful. I just knew I had to have a system that would really look after franchisees. So this, this really peculiar, obsessional nature, and which has obviously helped to make me very successful. Um, it probably doesn't make me easy to live with. It's maybe three <laughs> different divorces. But plus also, I'm, I'm very extremely introverted, too, which may be... Now, the interesting thing about all these things is, is I'm very different from my family, but they're all related to what in biohistory we'd call C, right. which, is this, which is this Christian-type temperament that builds civilization and, and economic success and focus on, on a particular area and, and love of children and those kinds of attitudes are very much associated with C. So why I have behaviors that are, that are characteristic of very, very high C, well, there's one thing about my background which is very, very, very unusual in that as a teenager, I never actually did something which 99.9% of boys do. Okay. All right. Now I know where we're going. Yep. Yep. I didn't. I told you not to before to tell me, but I get you now. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Yep. For the first six years after I reached puberty, I never, never did something like that. And that actually largely explains who I am and why I've achieved. Now, I look back on it, and maybe it helped to make me a bit socially awkward and the rest of it, <laughs> but I look upon it as an incredible yeah. blessing. Now, the interesting thing about it is this. It's actually a well-understood thing. You can do the same thing for rats. If you actually have a rat at the age of puberty, you have them sexual relations with a female, just even once, actually, for a rat, that's enough. And... Compared with another rat, they are very, very different. What it does is it makes a permanent change to the epigenome. It actually, it actually changes certain settings in the genome. It turns certain genes on or off. We're actually studying this in our research. It's the same thing as food restriction, but at that time of life, it's incredibly um, powerful. It has a very, very big effect, particularly your early teenage, early mid-teenage years. Um, that's epigenetic effect. And which is against, of course, why Christian teachings about chastity are so important, particularly for the young, because the effect at that age is so much more strong than any other age. Now, the interesting thing about that is there are certain aspects of my temperament which obviously people would like. For example, um, with that kind of temperament, you're far more likely to be financially successful because that, that obsessive behavior, it might make you a... a, 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 a preacher or someone like that, but it can also really, really help to, to be successful in business. And this is why, for example, if you look at the Kinsey Report, which is the whole Kinsey Report bit in the 40s, the late 40s was the idea that the more sex you have, the better. But if you look at the statistics, you actually see that, as we mentioned before, nocturnal emissions are an incredibly good guide to how successful a person is. The more you have as a boy, and I actually had 
<laughs> the more successful you're likely to be in life, the more income you're likely to have, the more education you're likely to have. Now, the very interesting thing about this is, of course, the change is epigenetic. What you could potentially do is, is um, if you could understand which genes are affected, which we're starting to learn, it's actually quite feasible to do a epi direct epigenetic change in an adult human, which would actually give somebody some of these characteristics. So you could actually have a treatment that would make you, for example, far more likely to succeed in life if you wanted it. It's like a treatment. Now, the other interesting thing about my temperament too, I didn't mention before, is I have some other peculiarities. One of them is that I am very um, resistant to what you might call addictive behaviours. I, I, I've never, never, I, I had alcohol briefly when I was younger. I've never liked it. I've never wanted to smoke. Um, I, I don't find it difficult to control my diet. So I'm very, got a very long-term thinking. So. All those kinds of behaviours too would be very helpful. So if you could actually do an epigenetic change, you could potentially, you could go to a treatment, which might be just an injection or something like that. You could become more successful. You could cure yourself of obesity. You could cure yourself of drug addiction. There's all kinds of behaviours. So in a sense, if you could create my kind of temperament by changing the epigenome, perhaps not as extreme as me, mm. you could actually have potentially an extraordinary amount of, of help. I'm also got another thing about myself as too. I'm a very resilient temperament. I'm I, I'm a, an extraordinary ability to cope with disappointments, which is oh, that's true. You move on reason. pretty quickly from failure. Yes. I mean, you said you like those tube men at the front of the stores, you know, and they mm. push them over and they keep bouncing back. So yeah. you, you tend to be able to compartmentalize it, from what I've seen, very very quickly. Whereas people would dwell on it and I'll just move on. And I'm, and I'm a very very happy attitude. And in, in, a, in a lot of ways, I'm very very different from anybody in my family too. So this 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 what I call a high C character if we could work out a way to create that it could have tremendous implications now do you know Seinfeld did an episode on it have you ever watched Seinfeld yeah um, you remember the, the episode called The Abstinence where George Costanza because of his failures in his life because he equated it to having too much of this and then all of a sudden he stopped doing it and he became a lot more smarter <laughs> he became he could start speaking Portuguese all that sort of stuff it became a lot more successful so it's quite funny how it has been tackled in um, some sort of modern pop culture the Seinfeld episode so if anyone hasn't seen it the abstinence probably gives you a bit of a it's very it's very hard to, to do but but um yeah oh yes definitely would be hard the implication things think quite interesting too because what you have is governments in different countries places like Singapore or Japan who are incredibly concerned well the population's on decline in Japan I think about the low birth rate, yeah. people aren't interested in having children. Well, actually, what they try and do is they, they, they spend incredible amounts of money on all, these, on all these economic levers and things to try and have more kids. In fact, they're all completely off the wrong track. In fact, going off the wrong track, because in fact, it would be relatively easy to get people to have more children if their temperament was different. Right. So it's not economics, it's temperament that makes the difference. And if people want children, they'll have children. If they don't want them, they won't. And the same thing with economic decline. It's the same kind of, of thing. If we understand the basics of temperament and we give people the tool to be able to change their own temperament as they wish, to have a character in some ways a bit more like mine, you could have incredible changes to individuals and, you, and to society. So how old is your oldest kid and how old is your youngest one wants to get? My oldest would be about 34 now. My yep. youngest is 10. So there's 24, age, yeah, 24 years between them, yeah. Something like that, yeah. yeah. How many live at home still with you? Just my youngest three. Just three at the moment? Yeah. Which is, I think, you two, is Esther and Sylvia and, and then and Aaron. Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Jasmine's around quite a lot, though. We see a lot of her, which is great. And, yeah. I, and I see my other kids not as often, but still. Yeah. What's, what's your relationship like with your kids then? I've never asked that really, but what would you say your relationship's like with your kids? 
Well, with my, my youngest four that I've grown up with in the same family, pretty good. The older ones can be a bit strange at times. <laughs> well, you yeah. know, divorce is pretty horrible and it, yeah, wasn't, sure. it wasn't, it wasn't, they weren't good. Um, so I still talk, I was having a chat with one of my sons last night, yeah. Andrew, who, who's, um, we're talking about the research project. Well, he's helped you on uh, yeah, a lot with your... Yeah, own. he helped write biohistory and he's now doing a neuros, finishing off a neuroscience degree. Just is he really? Plenty of honest degree and looking for a PhD somewhere. Yeah. Really? So he was giving me advice on how to how to um, get the um, <clears throat> the project going in epigenetics. Right. There's there's a guy called Bruce Ellis in the in the US that we're, we're going to try and contact and oh, see really? if we can get his help to do it. So Aaron's great. Um, Andrew's great because he's got that kind of interest. That's yeah. pretty cool. You can do it with your son. You can have this sort of that sort of you work together real bright on it, didn't you? Yeah. 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 I, well, like he did the research. Was all of the research he did. One day, one day, I'm I'm hoping he'll take over the the entire. Um, Research Foundation, which right. is in fact what's going to happen to most of my money. It'll, it'll go into a foundation which will fund the research and drive the research. Yeah. So Andrews, it's a great comfort to have him doing that. And I've got other kids that I get on well with. My, one of my son, James, is a lawyer. He's, he's great. He's just been, um, looks like he's offered a partnership and he's, he's only about three years out from his law degree. He's been offered a partnership. He's doing really well. Yeah, I know, James. I, had to, I was yeah. one of his references. In, um, I think he's working yeah. in West Melbourne now. So. Well, Sarah's um, been qualified as a doctor. So she's doing well. Yeah, they're all, they're all pretty good kids. I've met majority of them. I don't think there's only one or two I haven't met, which might be the old, the oldest one, thirty four, I think. But everyone well, else I've met. Well, he's a very successful. He's he's in America. He's in New York doing um, uh, something to do with IT, but incredibly highly paid. Yeah. And David's also a programmer doing all kinds of stuff. Do so you know more kids on a? I know you want more kids, but you don't know. Oh, <laughs> I wish I could. <laughs> if you asked me a perfect life. <laughs> Perfect life, I would say, just to keep on having one kid every two years, one after the other, after the other, after the other. I just love kids. You're going well back in the Irish Catholic days. I'm just hoping they'll have grandchildren one day. So far, my children aren't nearly as good at breeding as I am. But mind you, I didn't start very early either. Yeah, I think it's 30 years old, but as you said, it was pretty old back in the day. Yeah, when, when, I, when I was like in my late 20s and my father was interviewed by some national magazine and he said, well, I've got two sons, neither of which seem to have any interest in carrying on the family name. <laughs> it's very secure in this generation. <laughs> That's quite interesting. So um, do you want to say anything more about it or you want to leave it there? Or? That's good. We'll leave it there. So, all right, so thanks everyone for watching another episode of the Jim's Cast. And that was great. We always get that kid. Uh, that, sorry, we always get that... We always get that question or that comment about Jim. Obviously, it's well known he has 10 kids, and um, Jim's just told you some really honest insights about it, which I didn't know because I generally, before this, we sort of we try and want to keep it a surprise. I had no idea, but I was quite interested to learn, learn all about that sort of stuff. And Jim's kids are great. I've met them on a, I've met majority of them on a personal level, and uh, they are really, really good kids. I'm not just saying that because Jim's here, my boss, they are really good people, and you can tell they've been raised very well uh, by Jim Lee and um, everyone else. So, Appreciate you watching, and as always, subscribe to the uh, Jim's Cast on iTunes, Spotify, and Instagram rating, and obviously on YouTube and all the social channels. If you want us to talk about a particular topic or question, please DM us, or you can even use the Ask Jim question uh, box on the website as well, and we'll put that to Jim. So have a good week, and uh, thanks for watching.